Glazer. I'm Veronica Belmont. I'm Tom Merritt. <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? Punching things up now. That's uh, it's time to get efficient. Strangely, not that intimidating. Gonna help Brett Weeks. Gonna... Well, it's not supposed to be intimidating. There. Well, among other things, these author spotlights aim to save authors' email by answering a lot of questions for them and then asking some of your questions to them directly. We're kind of like a voluntary third-party FAQ. We're like efficiency kung fu experts. We're going to start by telling you six things you should know about Brent Weeks. Brent Weeks hails from Montana and graduated from Hillsdale College. He's worked as a teacher and a bartender and began writing on bar napkins. He now lives in Oregon. His first novel, The Way of Shadows, was published in 2008 by Orbit. It was the first novel in the Night Angel trilogy. The Lightbringer series was originally supposed to be a trilogy, but in 2012, it was announced it will be four books long. Weeks has stated that he believes the third book in the Lightbringer series, The Broken Eye, is his best work yet and his longest. He estimated it will be about 155 to 160,000 words. Well, it ended up at a very Martin-esque 306,000 words. Weeks has admitted publicly that he had been kind of enjoying using Word 365 by Microsoft. He suspects it may just be the comfort of resuming a dysfunctional relationship, and he would still kill it if given a chance. Brent claims to read all his email, but he doesn't always, you know, reply. The reason involves headbanging and delusions of hamsters. Uh, he reads the good ones, though, you know, like two or three times. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, anyway, it's an excellent start, but we can save Brent Weeks from even more headbanging, hamster delusional email by showing you a little more insight from Aaron in a whiteboard video. I've got a theory. Assassins are the new zombies. Genre motifs rise and fall, and today's fascination with superheroes can quickly become yesterday's overused giant robots. Don't feel sad. Trends are cyclical, and the giant robots will rise again. But for right now, it'd be hard to argue against the zombie as the current reigning genre trope. But with zombies showing up in car insurance commercials, I think we're about on the tail end of this one. My pick for our next fascination? Assassins. And no one is better situated to take advantage of this opportunity than Brent Weeks. His successful Night Angel series introduced readers to an entire world of shadowy killers. With a strong central character and plenty of violent action, the series seems unnatural for adaptation in other media. The follow-up Lightbringer novels demonstrate Weeks' facility with politics and religion, which Machiavelli would happily explain to you can be just as deadly as any ninja. If you think all this grittiness might be a turnoff, you need to cruise the review sites and read page after page of fans desperate for the upcoming sequels. Hmm. An author of gritty, politically driven fantasy, ripe for television adaptation, whose fans can't wait for the next installment. Where have I heard this before? I don't see the similarities. Well, not seeing it. The beard. Yeah, no, 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 no not quite. No. Suspend. No, he a little different. Little, no, no suspenders. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Well, our efficiency effort continues with Brent Weeks, who's right here. Yes, thank you for joining us, Brent. Thanks for having me, guys. Really, really glad to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you in the space castle in the sky. Um, so I, I'm going to kick things in off. Space, with, not now, the in, sky. It's well, the sky is still we're not in, in space. Or, we're not in the atmosphere. Okay, we're not in the atmosphere. So it's not the sky. <sighs> it was correcting me. So I feel like I'm an expert in assassins because I play Assassin's Creed. I should. So I feel like Clearly. this is something that I, I know a lot about. Um, so do you feel like that game is in any way representative of of uh, being an assassin as a as a career role? Um, 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm, I, I feel like Assassin's Creed really gets everything right. It's very historical, and, <laughs> and I, I love that about that series. You know, you can you can you can bathe with peasants and um, you, you know the, discuss the events of the day, and and that's just wonderful. Um, <laughs> the, the 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 thing about Assassin's Creed that really ticked me off is um, I was actually finish writing my series of books when that first video game came out and I almost died. I was like, no, they've stolen my cover art. And, um, and then we, we turned back around and we kind of stole theirs. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. We, we talked about this last year. We, we discussed this actually with, um, uh, Trudy Canavan last season because there's been a, a big rush of, of hooded cowled, assassin type people recently on book covers within the past few years and and you're obviously a major part of that as well uh yes yes i've 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 become wedded to the hooded man um when, when, when my second series of books the uh, the lightbringer books came out um i was somewhat appalled to see hooded men on all of them as well and and i talked to my publisher and uh they kind of i, I said you know this is the main character gavin guile he's really uh, he's very charismatic. He's very arrogant. He will not wear a hood. You know, he's kind of like, look at me. Here I am. They kind of said, you know, that's really nice, Brent. We, we appreciate your, your input. <laughs> and and the, the hooded men remain. So, yes, hooded men and I are, are apparently a thing now. Well, it's, it's very iconic. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's really nice, Brent. You know what sells books? Cows. So you know what's exactly. going to cover? Cow. Exactly. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, you know, I hear you and Joe Abercrombie have both been nominated several times for the David Gemmell Legend Award. Have, have either of you ever won it? You know, that's a bit of an interesting story. Um, the, the, the great thing about the Legend Award is that they, um, the, the, the people who, who put that on, is that they, they, give, they give prizes. And so there's, there's a prize uh, like, like this yeah. is for the also-rans, which is this, ah, this beautiful little, little pewter axe. And, well, um, it's nice, though. And it's, it's, it's very nice. It's very cool. Um, and it, it repre- represents Snaga from, from that series, David Gemmell's... Uh, legend um but when you win mm. uh they give you a like a carbon steel axe wow, that would be nice and, and and up to this year both joe and i had been nominated numerous times and we kept getting you know these very nice pewter axes sure. for the also rans um but this year uh one of us uh got no. the so uh, hey, hey joe joe this is as close as you're going to get, buddy. <laughs> so, <laughs> admire the shiny. Yes, What's admire up? the shiny from a distance. From a distance. <laughs> That's all. well. Congratulations on the award. Yeah, That's in all seriousness, congratulations. That's awesome. <laughs> so we have a ton of listener questions. Do you want to take the first one? Yeah, sure. Uh, Trike wants to know how do you come up with character names? On the one hand, they sound like nonsense syllables. Yet on the other, they flow easily and are fun to say. I've, I've taken a kind of a couple different approaches with the uh, with the Night Angel trilogy. I, I just made stuff up, and I tried to make things that would sound like they came from a specific culture in the world. But I was trying to, you know, make up nonsense names that, that, that you know, weren't like Robert and, and, and Jim running around fantasy world. Uh, so, 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 you, you know, I, I had a few probably misfires, um, but then I got a few that, that were kind of that I kind of still like. So I've got a couple Kylers, um, uh, and and I've had some people actually name their children Kyler, which is. A bit frightening to me. Um, with, with, with my second series, the Lightbringer series, I had some more latitude. Um, I, uh, this world is based on a, an alternate Mediterranean around 1600 or so. So you've got, uh, you've got guns, swords, and, uh, you, you know, pirates and, and magic all together, which is pretty awesome. 
Um, and, and, and so I, I, I took real historical names from those time periods, and I just sort of scrubbed out the, uh, the religious names. So there's no Muslim, Muslim names. There's no recognizable um, you know, Christian names in there, but, but real names. So, so that, that was actually kind of – it was really fun, and, and I got to you know, look through lists of uh, you know, North African names and stuff and try to get ones that um, – there's actually a lot of things you have to do with a name. Like it has to look different on the page than other names, and, and you have to have a – I try to give readers a stab at being able to pronounce it, right? <laughs> um, so, so, but it's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, wow, you know, getting I can... rid of Muslim and Christian names that that sounds like it would get rid of a lot of the names. Oh yeah, it, it, it gets it gets rid of a, a huge number of names. But like, but seeing those names, um, it, it, at least the recognizably um, Christian or the recognizably Muslim names. Um, the, the, those bring a lot of connotations that yeah. didn't fit with what I was doing with my world. So it's like I'm, I'm trying to keep you within the world and not break you out of it. Yeah, well, with your example from the beginning, I, I, I just can't imagine a robber or a robber in a fantasy world of any kind. <laughs> no, nice, <it> nice. <laughs> I can't think of any where that would rob. rob, maybe with a... Uh, like a that's such a stark Or Robert, name. like a King Robert. <laughs> yeah. kind of it is a yeah. very stark name, you're yeah. right. I know, I know which big guys not to take stabs at. <laughs> <laughs> One of them. <laughs> All right, our next question actually, weirdly, comes from a Rob. Um, that's a total coincidence. Uh, who says, really enjoyed The Way of Shadows uh, the most of your first series. Um, on the one, uh, uh, I think it's because I like Durzo a lot more than Azoth. Hopefully I'm pronouncing all these names right, too. Um, do you have any plans to write a full-length story that focuses on Durzo Blint or is a novella Perfect Shadow it? I do not plan to write a full-length uh, novel of Durzo at this time. Um, the, 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 there's, Durzo's an awesome character for a lot of for, for, for a lot of uh, spoilery reasons. Uh, he's been around for a long time. He's done a lot of really fun stuff. Uh, the, the, the challenge with writing a prequel for Durzo is uh, that you know where the story ends. You know who he becomes by the beginning of the Night Angel trilogy, and then he actually changes through the Night Angel trilogy. So, um, so, so, so writing the, even, even writing the prequel was, was pretty depressing for me because you know that Durzo ends up as this broken, bitter, sarcastic murderer. And, and it's, kind of, it's kind of depressing when your character arc takes a guy down and mm-hmm. leaves him down. So, um, so at, at this point, I have, have no, uh, no plans to write a standalone with Durzo. But um, as, I, as I write the story forward, uh, when I return to the Night Angel uh, universe, uh, I think we will learn more about Durzo. Good to know. Uh, now, Veronica may protest that she didn't do this on purpose, but our next question comes from a different Rob. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm sensing a theme I'm now. so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think he has the best prose. He's talking about you. He says, I think he has the best prose of anyone out there, and I was hoping he might share some insight on how he perfected that part of his craft. When I got started, uh, my, my, my main intention was to have my prose be invisible. I, I, I wanted you to experience the story. I wanted the story to be fast. I wanted it to, um, the, the, the story was a thing. And, and so writing without trying to like affect a, you know, a ye old British, uh, literature kind of, kind of sound, I, I wanted to just tell the story. And as I, as I've gotten, you know, more novels under my belt, I, I think my own style has naturally come out. It's, it's your voice is your voice. It's like what you think sounds good will sound good to you. So, so to me, it's, it's, it's been very much not a studied thing. It's, it's, I, I write how seems to make sense to me and, um, and apparently that works for him. So 
That's, I think there's some good advice there, which is strip away any affectation and your own voice sort of shines through. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and you, you, you figure out, you know, uh, rhetorical devices and things that, uh, th- that make sense and that fit you and mm-hmm. that, um, that, that work on the page for you. So that's funny because we were talking off the record. Well, kind of off, but mostly on the record with Anne Leonard, another author about, um, she was saying how she's, she's read so many different authors whose, whose voice and style she really loves, but she says, I, that's not me. Like I write the way that I write. And even though I like those other styles, I can't force myself into those voices. And that's just, you know, people will appreciate your own, your own personal voice. Well, one hopes, right? One hopes. (laughs) One would like that. Um, Alex wants to know if you ever consider going into another genre, like maybe a sci-fi or thriller or steampunk, uh, something outside the fantasy realm. Um, I, 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 I do think about it. Um, sometimes I, I, I honestly think that my, uh, my gifts would be well suited to thrillers because I, I write fast paced stories and I have nice surprises in my books that, that, that then still makes sense when you look back and try to figure out um, where that came from. Uh, the, the problem is, is I don't really like that genre that much. Um, so, so, so when I look at what I what I could do really well, and and I look at what I love, um, I'm I'm pretty solidly rooted in, in fantasy. I I mean I I have ideas for books that uh, um, I've got a family drama that I would like to write someday. Uh, you, you know, but it, I'm sure it would sell, you know, two copies, and that would be to my mom, and then she'd be horrified. <laughs> so um, I, I think about these things, but fantasy is really my first love, and I, I I don't consider fantasy to be inferior to to some other some other form. So I I love it. Oh no, I don't think he was inferring that at all either. Like yeah, yeah. obviously, like fantasy is something that it's my it's my favorite genre personally. So, but maybe I'm biased. And there's several uh, several authors are, are are wanting to play in multiple genres. It just it, it depends on personal taste. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I, I I guess to follow that up, I I I have thought quite seriously about writing um you know a YA novel. So that oh, that, cool. that, that that's something that that I I think that's a genre that doesn't really get any respect either. Um and that I've I've got a daughter now. She's uh, she's eight months old, and it's. I'd, I'd sort of like her to uh, be able to read my books before she's 18. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's motivation. You can always right go the Patrick Rothfuss route and, and write a children's yeah. book. Wait, no, don't do that. A horrifying. Don't let her yeah. read that. Don't a, let her a, read that. Children should never oh, read. That's a terrible idea. Never mind. <laughs> um, Sandy asked the question, will the Lightbringer series be done in three? Now, I know you've said that it's going to be more than three. Tell us a little bit about you know, how long it's going to be and, and what Oh, God, I was is. afraid you guys were going to ask this question. Sure, I know. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, when, I, when I first started the series, I actually thought I could do it in three. Um, and it was, it was only when I... It was sort of as the book was going out the door, I called up my editor and I said... There's no way. Sorry, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be four. Can you please take off trilogy? Because trilogy was oh, was actually on the cover. On the cover. Um, wow. And and you know, because only only horrible horrible writers put put four book trilogies out, right? I mean, like Tad Williams. <laughs> Douglas Adams. <laughs> that, that's a joke, Tad. Yeah. That's a joke. Don't, don't don't send your people after me. Um, you have an axe now. You can defend yourself. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, so it, it it's been to me a, a question of. Of what does the series demand? Um, you know, Tolkien talked about the story growing and the telling, um, and I, 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 right now it's four. Right now it's four, and I'm the 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 books are bursting at the seams with with uh, with action and actually now with pages. Um, so, so so definitely four. I mean, definitely 
at least four. Right. Okay. Or some or some number close to four. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now digging into the story a little bit, uh, Micah wants to know how does writing Galvin compare to writing Kyler? Uh, who's more fun for you to write about? Hmm. Um, Gavin is definitely more fun to write than Kyler uh, because Gavin is um, he's actually a, a he's a fun character to write but a hard character to write as an author. Um, Gavin's uh, kind of the emperor of the world. And that's a, that's a hard character to get to love if you're a reader because you don't have anything in common with this guy who's, well, he's not over, only really powerful, but he's very intelligent. He uses a ton of magic. He's very persuasive. And, oh, he's good looking too. You know, he's, he's kind of the kind of guy that you love to hate. Um, so, 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 so having a reader identify with that kind of character is very difficult. But at the same time, he's able to get away with a lot of things. And uh, I like writing characters who are able to get away with a lot of things. <laughs> so uh, wh- 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 where Kyler was a little bit more of a, a little bit more of an everyman, a little bit more of a, a, a kid that you see grow up and um, that you experience things with him. So, so Kyler was a little bit easier, but not quite as fun. I would like to apologize for saying Galvin instead of Gavin. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was just going to let that go. Yeah, just, no, I'm going to blame Micah for that, who posted no. the question. So that's oh, Micah's really? fault. I'm just going to throw it at Micah. Yeah, I'm just going to wow, put that Micah out there. Throw the Micah under the, under the bus. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, he's got the axe. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Throw, let's, throw, let's throw Micah under the axe. <laughs> let's hurry to the next question. Christopher wants to know. Uh, Christopher actually wa- heard you read an excerpt from The Blinding Knife on tour. Is that available to read somewhere, or is it that just sort of a one time only thing? I told the fans that I was reading a, uh, an excerpt from uh, The Broken Eye, the next book. And, and I said, you know, it's got some spoilers in it, but then, no biggie. And then, I, and then I read this excerpt where I killed two of the main characters. And, and then it just ended. You know, I just, I just ended with both of them dying. Um, one of them actually accidentally kills the other one. Uh, and it's and it was quite horrifying. Um, <clears throat> and then I closed with this talk about how you know we need to push the genre forward, and even the main characters need to be able to die, and so forth. And like people were just like, "Oh my god!" And then I told them, you know, I was lied to them. <laughs> That's kind of what I do. And um, I'm re- I'm really proud of that story because it it turned out really well. And then of course I was on book tour. Um, so every, I was reading this thing over and over like 17 days in a row. And so I would work on it every day. I'd be like, ah, this, this didn't work very well. So, so, so I actually refined it pretty well. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to, to, to sell it without pissing too many people off (laughs) because I don't want people to be confused and think it's an actual, you know, outtake, but, uh, but, but, but I had a ton of fun with it. So it'll show up somewhere. I'll, 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 I'll put it out eventually. I'm not exactly sure how yet though. It's kind of like the deleted scene yeah. from a DVD where they're like, we filmed it this way and then we decided not to, <laughs> no, not to use it. It's a little too intense. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, it was pretty fun. I, I, I had somebody, you know, basically weeping in the front row. So wow. that, that, was, that was fun. That's impressive. Did you have people posting, like, spoilers on Twitter? Like, yes. Like, well, I, 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 I said, you know, please, please. People were very good. They liked being on the, on the inn and, and watching other people, you know, fall for it. So, that, so, so nobody posted any spoilers, which was great. Wow. That's, a, that's, a, that's also impressive. You know, but you have to be careful. I posted a fake spoiler about Downton Abbey. Uh, recently, and I I lost like 50 Twitter followers because they thought I was posting actual spoilers, and I was right. like, "There is no way." I basically said that Carson dies. Like it's like really tragic how Carson dies in the fourth season. Like it was just awful. Wait, Carson dies? Yeah, that's what. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. So. Unfollow. So be careful. <laughs> Unfollow. Someone called me some pretty bad names too. Um, Christina wants to know what sparked the idea for the magic system in Lightbringer. Oh, oh gosh, I. Uh, 
that's a pretty complex answer. Uh, but but to, to to boil it down, light is really cool to me. Um, I, 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 I took some classes in college um, that kind of talked about, uh, it's called Quanta Astra et Deus, and it was, it, it was team taught by a, um, a, a, a physicist, a, uh, a philosopher, and a, uh, a religion professor. And they kind of talked about, um, about light and what quantum science and, and, and how, how these things affect these different fields. And I was like, and light is amazing. You know, what, what, like, when you start talking about light, that's where our metaphors break down. And we've always understood science through metaphors. But when you talk about light, you're talking about, like, a particle wave. Like, that doesn't actually make sense. Right. You, you, you know, you do the dual slit experiments, you do these things, and they're like, that doesn't make sense. I, like, that's so weird. And so, so I wanted to build, um, I wanted to build a magic system that was based on real science, but like the weird science mm. that's, um, that, that people think they people think they kind of understand light, and it turns out we understand light, uh, you know, not nearly as well as we think we do. And and the, the color spectrum and there's subjective elements to things. And so I I just started layering those things together, um, and and I had a lot of fun with it. So it's almost like if there were a version of hard sci-fi for fantasy, it would be like <laughs> hard fantasy. Yes, <laughs> yes. That that, 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 that was that, I I wanted something that that really made sense if you bought the the initial conceit and and the initial conceit is, was that um like like, like 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 think of think of a candle when you burn a candle you know there's this chemical reaction and and basically you get heat and light there's some other stuff but don't worry about that for for, for this and and so I thought like what if you could run that in reverse and you could take light or heat and you could get physical stuff out of it. And, and, and that's it. And then I thought, well, each color would have different attributes and they'd have, you know, different weight, different smell, different texture, different strengths. Um, and, and then they would also have uh, metaphysical attributes. So using blue would, would make you be more logical over mm. the long run. Uh, using red would make you be more passionate over the long run. And so, so, so uh, just by layering these fairly simple systems together, uh, I got something that, that I'm, that I'm really proud of. It's, it's, it's uh, it's a lot of fun to play with. It's the the principle of symmetry in physics that, that you're kind of playing with there. It's perfect. I love oh, that. absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and conservation of energy and yeah, all that yeah. mm-hmm. is still there. So, all right, our last listener question comes from Michael, and he he sets the scene here. Uh, Gavin, is it Dazen? Uh-huh, Dazen. Uh, Kyler and Durzo enter an arena. Scattered throughout the arena is various rubble, ranging from toppled towers to small rocks. All four fighters have been given full info on their opponents, including abilities and fighting style. It's a four-way fight with only one rule. Fight until only one lives. Who walks out alive and how? Um, he maybe oh should have man. given this to him in advance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah fight. And, and and how is 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 the real one? Um, because yeah. you, you you just don't bet against Terzo Blunt. There's there's just he's 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 seen it all. He's done it all, and he's sneaky. Mm-hmm. So so I I, I think Terzo's going to walk out of there. Um, and uh, and it's going to be messy. That's 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 pretty much all I can say. How is messy? <laughs> I think that's I think that's fair. And hopefully, how is some kind of fanfic that Michael writes in the future? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That sounds perfect. Go, go forth and fanfic. Yes. <laughs> All right, now it's time for our super questions, and these oh, no. are—I know—they sound scarier than they are. These are questions that we ask a oh, lot wait, of the different wait. authors. Is, is, is this the part where the flesh rubbing comes up? There's a little flesh rubbing. You, you were talking about that earlier. That is, um, that was that was off the record. Oh my <laughs> god, I'm so sorry. Uh, that was that was. Uh, oh, this is a little oh. awkward now. There is no flesh rubbing in the <laughs> there's, super. There's questions. no flesh rubbing yeah. this round. Um, so the first one is, what is your favorite word? What is my favorite word? Um, uh, moist. 
That's your favorite word? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. There is oh, flesh yeah. rubbing in this. Oh, flesh rubbing, that is, yeah. That's funny oh, uh, because oh. that is Mary Robinette Cole's least favorite word. Or it's up oh, there. Oh, So I guess Mary, you guys can't and, be friends anymore. And, and we're friends. We're yeah. friends. How awkward. Mary, come on. Well, it's symmetry again. <laughs> that, that, Balancing, bringing balance to the course. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that your final answer? <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, yes. good. I, I like it because it, it makes people feel uncomfortable. Yes. Got it. Um, so is it... Is it true, uh, just to set this last question up, is it true that you started your, your novel writing it on napkins? Um, or is uh, that basically, yeah. yeah. I, uh, okay. Like, like many uh, an English major before me, I, I graduated and found myself with no marketable skills. Um, <clears throat> and so, I, so I, I got a job in a bar. And, and you know, that, that, that sounds like really romantic and it, and it did to me, which was part of why I got the job. Um, but it wasn't like one of these really like cool bars where there's like young people all over the place and everybody's having a good time. It was sort of more like a middle-aged person bar. Like a sad um, bar. <laughs> you know, like kind of a sad, sad bar, bar at times. Okay. And so there was a lot of standing around uh, in between messing up people's drinks um, and getting yelled at by the servers, so so I uh, I, I started the novel there. I basically uh, I I would write down ideas, and then I would write during the day and work the bar at night. Mm-hmm. So it was it, it was like my first paying job after college. Do you still have the napkins? Uh, yeah, of course I do. Okay. Of course I do. Yes, uh, I'll be selling those on eBay. Um, <laughs> you, you, you can link to my uh, to, 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 to my auction site. There's 21 hours left, folks. So get in there and bid. Exactly. Uh, so here's your actual super question. That now we've got the facts straight. What other paper products might make good starter novel surfaces? <sighs> um, uh, doilies. Wait, this, like the, the paper doilies. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not the disposable ones. Right. They've got know, a lot of holes in them, uh, though. Uh, um, it gives you a lot of places for your plot to go. Plot holes. Oh, in the doilies. Nice. Wow, that's good time. Nice. Um, uh, I've, 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 I have written before on um, coffee filters. Oh. Uh, I, re- I recommend the, the white ones that are bleached and you mm-hmm. know, slightly toxic for you. Right, you don't uh, want to use those for your coffee, so... Right, yeah. right, right. So, um, boy, uh, I'm running out. I, I, the, those are my favorite paper products. I think that's oh. a good start. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, yeah. did you have another one? You, you know, the back of matchbooks. Ah, right. Short stories. Short stories. <laughs> Flash fiction. I <laughs> like it. <laughs> you guys are rubbing off on me. <laughs> Sorry. We're, that's, that's not a good thing. Well, fortunately, that's all we have. But thank you, Brent, so much for being on the show today. You were awesome. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, his most recent novel, The Blinding Knife from the Lightbringer series, came out September 13th, 2012. The Broken Eye, another in the Lightbringer series, is out as of August 26th. 2014. And that's it, folks. If you want more Sword and Laser, there is tons. You can join our Goodreads group at goodreads.com and subscribe to the podcast, both audio and video, at swordandlaser.com. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, Lem, can you get the lights?